Well, thank you for joining in our singing this morning. You know, that's a wonderful way to worship God in song as we think about our Lord and praise Him and honor Him for all that He's done and all that He is. Inside your program, you'll find an outline of our Bible study this morning, and I'd encourage you to take that and follow along as we look into the Word of God this morning. I have kind of an unusual theme or topic that I want to talk with you about today, and that is the statue in Rio. You know, if you were trying to tell somebody about Amarillo, what would you say are the landmarks that people know about our city? Uh, as far as I can tell, there's only two that I've run into that really would be thought of as landmarks of our city. One would be the Big Texan Steak Ranch. Somebody eating the 72-ounce steak and uh, all of the gear that go with it and uh, kind of had a national uh, audience. The uh, Food Channel came in and uh, did a uh, series of uh, people who tried to eat this big steak, and one little lady was able to eat three. Can you imagine that? Uh, I was uh, preaching up in Anchor Point, Alaska, and uh, as people were going out, I was shaking hands with them, and a fellow said, they still have that place in Amarillo where if you eat that big steak, you get it free? I said, yeah, they've still got that. And even up in Alaska, people knew about the big Texan steakhouse. And the second landmark I see that we have is the Cadillac Ranch. And uh, all the cars that are uh, buried out there and paintings on them and anything. We were up in uh, Kachara, Colorado on the 4th of July on one occasion. And they have a big parade up there. And we were standing watching for the parade. And a nice fellow sitting next, standing next to me. And I said, where are you from? He said, Illinois. I said, what do you do? He said, uh, well, I'm an art teacher. I said, well, that's, that's good. And uh, he said, where are you from? I said, Amarillo. He said, oh. He said, all the art books contain a picture of the Cadillac Ranch out there and the paintings that were done upon those old Cadillacs. I thought, good night. Who realized that all the art books would have pictures of something like that? But I guess those are the two things that I think of when I think about maybe landmarks of Amarillo. But now, if you have been watching the Olympics any, you'll know that there was one landmark that just kind of stands out, and that is the Statue of Christ. Several years ago, uh, Lunell and I were on a mission trip to uh, uh, Brazil, and we were visiting in Rio, and we got to go up to see the big statue, and it certainly is impressive. The statue of Christ is 98 feet tall, and underneath it is a 26-foot pedestal that uh, the statue sits on, and then the uh, width of the statue is 92 feet. So when you're standing close to it, uh, you are impressed, and if you are far away and look up on uh, Mount Corcovado, you will see that great statue of Jesus. Well, let me, number one, I want to tell you about the story of the statue. Back in 1850, somebody suggested that they build a monument up on that mountain uh, to celebrate the liberty or the freedom the people of Brazil now had. But uh, that didn't go over very well. And later somebody said, 
What we ought to do is build a statue that would help spread Christianity. And the first idea was, we need to build a big cross. But then that kind of was put out of the way, and they said, no, what we need to do is we need to build a statue of Jesus Christ so that people everywhere can see and know that the people of Rio are thinking about and love Jesus Christ. Well, competition was hell as to who was going to get to build the statue. And the fellow who won was named Hitor de Silva Costa. And uh, he was chosen to be the one that would build a big statue. And uh, competition was held, and he was the man who was going to be the winner. Well, his first idea was he wanted to have a picture of Jesus and have a cross in one hand and a picture of a globe in the other, indicating that the cross of Jesus was for all people. But that was kind of voted down, and an artist by the name of Carlos Oswell was chosen to be the one who would decorate the uh, particular statue of Jesus. The sculpture would be done by a man by the name of Paul Landowski, who lived in France. And uh, as he got the job of making the statue, it was then made piece by piece and then sent over to uh, Brazil, where it was later put together. And finally, after nine years of work, on uh, October the 12th, 1931, the statue was unveiled as finished. Now, interestingly enough, it was then noted as one of the seven new wonders of the world. Now, that was the, something that had been done in the past, the uh, idea of seven wonders of the world. In fact, back in the uh, 4th century B.C., there was a fellow who uh, picked out six things that he said that if you want to really see what the world is about, you visit these six places. And those were thought of as the six wonders of the world. And then in the uh, seventh century, 2nd century B.C., we added a seventh, which was the Colossus of Rome. And all of the original seven wonders of the world are all gone except one. And that is the Great Pyramid in Egypt. You may wonder, well, what happened to the other ones? Well, most of them were destroyed by earthquakes. And so in 2007, they said, we need to get a new list of the seven wonders of the world. And there were votes submitted by a hundred million people as to what will be the seven wonders of the world. And these seven were ultimately chosen. Number one was the, and these are not in any kind of order of importance, but the Colossus of the Colosseum of Rome. And that is the place where the Christians were sacrificed to the lions, was number was one. A second was a place called the Machu Picchu. And it is in Peru, and it's known as the Lost City of the Incas. And then number three was Xin Ita, which was in the Yukon in Mexico, uh, which was a celebration of the old Myron culture, and it was done in about 600 B.C. And then Petra in Jordan. And that is a place where out of the rock was carved out a great uh, monastery. It was built in 312 B.C. And then the Great Wall of China, 
which was uh, 4,000 miles long, which is the largest human structure ever built. And it's so big it could even be seen from outer space. And then was the Taj Mahal of India, where an emperor built a magnificent tomb for his wife. And then finally, number seven, and that is Christ the Redeemer in Rio, finished in 1931. And the purpose was to let the world know about our Lord Jesus Christ. And they wanted everybody to know that He was important and He was ruling over all. And you know, that goes along with the words of Jesus. Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 11, 28, when He said, Come unto Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then the words of Jesus, Matthew 28, 19, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so as you would see that great monument of Jesus holding out His hands, it was to say that Jesus is for all people. It doesn't matter your race or your color or your education or where you were born. If you are an active sinner or you're one who's just a nominal sinner, all are welcome to come to Jesus Christ. And so the building of the great statue in Rio. Well, number two, the second thing I want you to know, that the official name of the statue is Christ our Redeemer. And the key word there is Redeemer. The uh, Holman Bible Dictionary decided, defined a uh, Redeemer in these words. It is one who will pay the required price to secure the release of a convicted criminal. So, if you were a Redeemer then you were reaching out to those who were in trouble and you were bringing them out and saving them from that which they were looking forward. Or in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, you may remember the words of Paul when he said, And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, you and I are people who were redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. What we deserve is death because of our sin. But because of the mighty power of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been redeemed. The psalmist spoke in these words, Psalm 19:14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Even in the Old Testament, they realized that they needed a redeemer. Maybe you remember the words of Job, chapter 19, 25, when he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. That is, Job realized that what he needed was a Redeemer, and the one who was going to be the Redeemer would be his Lord, and he would stand upon the earth and redeem him. And then the great passage in the New Testament that speaks about that is 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 and 19. You know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ. Peter said, I want you to realize what it is that we have. And that is, it was not somebody paid gold and silver that redeems you from your life of sin, but it was the precious blood of Christ. 
Did you ever realize how much attention is given in the Bible, especially the New Testament, to the blood of Christ? In fact, I made a list this week of eight different things that the Bible says that the blood of Christ does. Number one, you and I were bought with the blood of Christ, Acts 20, verse 28. And we were forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, Romans 3.25. And we were justified by the blood of Jesus, Romans chapter 5, verse 9. And Ephesians 1.7, Paul says, we were redeemed with the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9.14 says that we were cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, 11 and 12, we were made holy by the blood of Jesus. And then in 1 John 1, 7, we were purified by the blood of Jesus. And then in Revelation 12, 11, it says that we overcame Satan by the blood of Jesus. You and I look at it to know that we are people who are redeemed people, and what redeemed us was the blood of Jesus. And as Jesus sacrificed Himself upon the cross, we then are people who are redeemed by that blood. And the price for our sin was paid by Jesus and His blood. Did you ever realize that uh, our battle is against Satan? And uh, as you read the Bible, there are five different animals that Satan is likened unto and the things that he is trying to do to the children of God. Well, number one, he is likened unto a serpent. Over in uh, 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul said, I don't want you to be deceived by the serpent as was Eve. And as you may remember that in the very beginning, the Satan came and uh, appeared as a serpent. And he talked her into eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which God had forbidden. Secondly, the Bible also says that Satan's like a bird. Matthew 13, verses 4 and 19, when Jesus told the story about the uh, man who was the farmer and went out and sowed the seed, and the birds came and ate the seed, and that prevented the Word of God from going into the hearts of people. So he said, be aware of Satan and what he does. And then number three, Satan is described as being like a wolf. Over in John 10, verse 12, it's like a wolf that would attack a uh, flock of sheep. So it is that Satan attacks us and tries to pull us down. And then the Bible describes him as being like a lion, 1 Peter 5, 8, that wants to devour the children of God. And finally, he is described as being like a dragon who wants to destroy the Son of God, Revelation 12, 1-9. You see, we are in a battle, and what we need is a Redeemer. I love the words of Isaiah 47, 4, when he says, Our Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, is His name. The One who redeems us from Satan and all the ways that He attacks us is that we are saved by our Redeemer. Uh, about a year and a half ago, Melvin Eads and I made a fishing trip down into Old Mexico to fish for bass. And, uh, of course, uh, as we checked in, we gave him your passport and made it through. We had a great time fishing. And as we came back to check in through customs, there was a little mark by my name that I saw on the list they had there. And I got in there and they said, Did you know that this passport has been reported as being stolen or lost? 
I said, well, I'm sorry, but uh, that's not true. Here's my passport. Here's my picture. And uh, uh, I've been in my possession all the time. They said, well, it was reported stolen or lost. We're going to have to confiscate your passport. And I said, wait a minute. I, uh, that's the only one. I, I'm sorry. It was reported stolen or lost. You lost your passport. You know what I needed? I needed a Redeemer. I needed somebody that had some authority and some power to say, wait a minute. This is the picture of this fellow. He has not lost his passport. Give it to him. What I needed was a Redeemer. And you and I, when we do battle against our enemy, Satan, the one that's trying to pull us away and destroy us and keep us from God, what we need is a Redeemer. And Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. And we need to thank God for Him. And as you see that statue of Christ our Redeemer, Realize exactly what it represents. It represents Jesus our Lord and the One who is our Redeemer. Well, also along that line, I wanted to check one other thing with you. And that is that Christ also is described as being our Passover Lamb. If you've got a Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul gives us his words. He says, For Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. Well, the Passover lamb. Now, that takes us back to the Old Testament and the Passover. And you may remember what took place on that occasion, that uh, God had brought a series of ten plagues upon Egypt in order to get His people freed from the bondage they had been in for 430 years. Nine times Satan had worked and uh, influenced the heart of Pharaoh, and he would not let the people go. God said, I'm going to bring one more plague upon Egypt, and this time he will let you go. I'm going to bring firstborn to death of every firstborn in the family, and the stock, the livestock, every firstborn is going to be dying, except where the blood of the lamb is on the door of the house. And when I see the blood, he said, I will pass over you. And so every family, if they were not big enough to eat the uh, lamb by themselves, they would invite their neighbors in and they would celebrate by putting the blood on the door to save the death of the firstborn. Can you imagine what you would have been like if you'd been the firstborn son in the family? And you heard what was going to take place. God said, I'm going to come through and take the life of the firstborn in every family except where there is blood. So boy, he went to bed. He would say, Dad, you sure you got that blood up there? You sure you got enough so that it can be seen? Are you sure, God? Because I don't want to die. But you know, throughout Egypt, the firstborn of all families, all the animals, they all died because of the power of God. But the Passover lamb and the shedding of that blood protected them so that they did not die. And, and now as Paul speaks to the uh, Corinthians, he says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Now begin with me, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 6, when Paul said this, Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole bunch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast, 
so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. He said, listen, you've got to clear out the old yeast. Now, that was what was done before the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed. They had to get a lamp or a candle and go through the whole house and make sure there was no yeast in there. And the reason was that yeast was thought of as being a likeness of sin. If a person took a uh, batch of dough and just put it out for a week and let it sit there, that thing would become moldy. And that's the way sin is. It is moldy and it influences and destructive. But if you would take some unleavened bread and put it out for a week, because there was no leaven, it would still be good. So he said, what you need to do is, you need to get rid of that old leaven. And you need to be like unleavened bread. And you see, that's what the uh, Jews used when they established the Passover. And that's what Jesus then used as He took the unleavened bread and, and broke it and gave it to the disciples to eat. And that was the way that you and I today celebrate and remember the death of Jesus with the unleavened bread. Because Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And the blood of Jesus has been provided so that we can be free from sin. What a wonderful blessing it is to know that we are people who are saved by our Redeemer and are people who have the Passover lamb. When John the Baptist came on the scene, John 1.29, he pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. Dr. R.A. Criswell was the longtime preacher of the First Baptist Church in Dallas. On one occasion, he was invited out to the home of one of her wealthiest members and uh, said, Come in my house and I'll show you around. And he took him into the library. And there was an oval picture of an old-fashioned woman. And uh, the man said, uh, Dr. Criswell, he said, That is my mother. I never got to meet her. As she was giving birth to me, she died. But he said, You know, I look forward to the day that I will be in heaven. And the first one I want to see is my Savior Jesus. But the second one, he said, I want to see is my mother and hug her and thank her for what she did for me. Dr. Quizzle said, you know, I could have said to him, wait a minute, that's not your mother. That, that's just a piece of paper on cardboard and some ink up there. That's not your mother. But he said, I didn't say that. He said, what I thought of was my Savior Jesus. And Jesus took bread and He said, this is my body. And He took the cup and He said, this is my blood. And you and I, as we see the bread and we see the cup, we don't just see bread and a cup, but what we see is our Lord Jesus Christ. And one day we're going to be able to be in heaven and hug Him and thank Him for all that He has done so that we could be the family of God. People who have been redeemed and people who have been blessed by the Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ. Uh, when you see that great monument on 
the mountain in Rio, and tonight is the closing ceremony, and you see that great picture of Jesus. Remember what a Savior we have, and what a Redeemer we are blessed with. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. Maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you'd like to come and say, you know, I'd like to be a part of this church. And that's your desire. We would welcome you with open arms. Maybe you'd like to come today and confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. I'll be up here at the front and our elders will be at the back. And if we can serve you in any way, we would like to do it. There is a prayer room back in this corner. If you'd like to meet with one of our elders and have them pray with you this morning, they would be glad to do that. If there's any other way we could be of service to help, if you need to come, why don't you do it right now as we just stand and sing our song, Invitation, together. Your only son, no sin to hide, but you have sent him from your side to walk upon this guilty son and to become the Lamb of God. Your gift of love they crucified. They laughed and scorned Him as He died. The humble King they named a fraud and sacrificed the Lamb of God. O Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God, I love the Holy Lamb of God. Oh, wash me in His precious blood, my Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. I was so lost, I should have died, but you have brought me to your side to be led by your staff and rod and to be called the Lamb of God. O Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God, I love the Holy Lamb of God. Oh, wash me in His precious blood, my Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Oh, Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God, I love the Holy Lamb of God. Oh, wash me in His precious blood, my Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God.